Thank you, Doug. Well, good morning, City Light. It's so good to be with you this morning. Uh, like Doug said, my name is Tyler, and I hope you had an awesome Thanksgiving. You've recovered from all of the overeating, um, but we're here this morning, and typically my focus priority is on city groups, but I have the privilege of bringing the word to you, so thanks for tuning in. We are starting a new series this morning, a brand new series, a Christmas season it is, and we'll be looking at some key prophecies in the book of Isaiah, mainly the ones that point to the promise predicted king, which is King Jesus. Isaiah, the guy who wrote the book, is a prophet, and a prophet is somebody that would hear from God and would speak uh, from God to God's people on his behalf, and this morning in Isaiah, we're looking at a future prophecy, a word from God, something yet to come. Prophecy, by definition, means prediction. Pretty cool, right? And many of you um, have probably heard a lot of predictions over the years, and some are maybe coming to mind right now. For me, it was Coach Frost, just give him three years, and Nebraska will be national champs. Um, There's year four and five, right? We'll keep holding on to faith. (laughs) Yes, I know I live in Iowa, and ultimately my hopes in King Jesus, but anyways, moving on, did you know it was predicted by C. Warner, the co-founder of Warner Brothers in 1946, that the television would not last. He didn't think it would remain today because he said people would get tired of staring at a plywood box every night. Uh, We'll give him grace, right? The internet wasn't even invented or thought at that time. Who would have known online streaming would be such a hit? Speaking of internet, um, we have a prediction by Bill Gates in 2003, and he said by 2006, our spam problem would be resolved. No, I'm not talking about the mysterious can of meat you find in your local grocery store, but like the phone calls and all of the spam emails. Thankfully, my phone at least gives me a heads up and says, warning, spam risk. We're taking steps in the right direction. But there have been a lot of predictions over the years. And there were a lot of predictions about the life of Jesus. And what I love about Isaiah's prediction this morning is two things. One, It came from God himself, and two, they all came true. They came from God, and they came to pass. They were accurate, and they actually happened. Predictions like Jesus' birth in the little town of Bethlehem by a virgin, Mary. You guys have heard the Christmas story, hopefully. Isaiah, Isaiah called him the suffering servant. He predicted that Jesus would die a gruesome death, death by a cross, And there were a lot of predictions, like I said, over 300 of them. And in this case, this morning, Isaiah's prediction was 700 years uh, before it actually happened. I don't know about you, but I'm glad we have a God that makes good on his promises. You can trust God this morning, City Light, because he stands by his word. Let me read a verse to you in the same chapter we were looking at this morning. And I encourage you to grab your Bible if you haven't already we're going to be reading some scriptures this morning. I'm going to read it from Isaiah 40, verse 8. It says, The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God will stand forever. Think about 2020 for a moment. At times it has felt shaky, unsure, and unsafe at best. Though this year has left us scratching our heads in more ways than one, I'm thankful that God's word is a firm foundation that it's secure and it's sure. It's something that we can put put our hope in. And for those that trust in his word, we have an anchor for our souls. 
It's Jesus, and we will not be disappointed in the end, despite what life may throw at us. Isaiah is one of those books in God's word that you could spend a lifetime studying and trying to grasp all the beauty and the riches that there are in there. But my suggestion for you today is to jump on the Zoom call tonight for the deep dive in Isaiah. I don't think you'll be disappointed. And for us this morning, we're going to be looking at Isaiah 40, 1 through 5 that Doug read for us. And I want to highlight three key themes that I've been looking at this week. Here they are. God comforts, God redeems, and God says, speak. The God of all comfort redeems by speaking tenderly to us and through us. So looking at first, God's comfort. Growing up, a tradition in my house was to watch the Christmas story, and we would usually do that on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. You remember Ralph? All he wanted was one thing for Christmas that year. A Red Ryder carbine action, 200-shot model range air rifle with a compass in the stock. And Ralphie's desire, it was rejected by his mother, by his teacher, Mrs. Shield, and even by the Santa Claus at the Higgabee's department store all giving him the same warning, you'll shoot your eye out. Well, to Ralph's amazement, on Christmas morning, he got his BB gun, and with excitement and anticipation, he runs outside to take out those pesty bandits, terrorizing the back alley once and for all, and he shoots a BB at a metal sign with a target on it, bounces off, hits him in the glasses, knocking him off and cutting his cheek. Ralphie knew that he blew it. And in that moment, all the taunts come flooding in. You'll shoot your eye out. You'll shoot your eye out. And so, in desperation, he whips up some tears real quick. And to his amazement, here comes his mom with all the concern and comfort and care in the world to rescue her Ralphie. There's not too many things in life that are more comforting than a loving mom to her hurting children. I've seen my, my wife tenderly and lovingly talk our kids off the edge telling them that their scraped knee is going to be okay or that their art project they did in homeschool that day can be redone even though their sister or brother spilled water on it. This morning in Isaiah 40, God is sending a loving, tender, much-needed message of comfort. God is the God of all comfort in the Old and New Testament. In fact, I want to take you over to the New Testament in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. There it is again. If we are honest, we could all use some comfort these days, right? This has been a very difficult season by and large, and I don't want to be a downer, but just acknowledge the reality that we're living in. Many of you did not get to spend Thanksgiving with your loved ones this year. Maybe your grandparents were self-quarantined for health reasons. Maybe family wasn't able to travel. Some of you have lost jobs or your hours have been cut, and you're wondering, how are we going to make ends meet this month? Some of you were sick with the virus. Others of you lost loved ones because they passed this year. Uh, surgeries have been canceled or postponed, and unfortunately, the list could go on. Doesn't this all just feel out of place? This all feels foreign. It's stressful, overwhelming. And if you've felt like you're losing hope, you're not alone. Many, if not all of us, have asked a question at least once, when will this end? When will this pass? When will we be back to some form of normal, whatever that may be? Now, for those of you that have fell in one or multiple of those camps, 
isn't God's word to Isaiah or in Isaiah's prophecy such good news? Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. We could use some comfort. I feel this is a timely message, and God is good and knows exactly what we need. You see, Israel, here in Isaiah 40, were, the, were people facing many difficulties as well. The people in Israel's day were forced into captivity by the bullies on the block, by the Babylonians, forced into exile, driven out of their homes, dreams crushed, hopeless, overwhelmed, stressed out, and lost. And in Isaiah 40, the people cried out to God, how long, O oh God? God, where are you? God, do you hear my prayers? God, do you see the pain and the suffering that I'm facing right now? And guess what, church? God answers them. He does see them. He hasn't forgot them. And he responds to their cry. Let me read to you his response. Isaiah 40, 28, 31. It says, Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is an everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. The young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Friends, God comforts the brokenhearted by giving us what we can't get on our own. Isaiah 41.2 says, God said, comfort, comfort my people. Speak tenderly to them. Yes, I see what you've been through. Yes, I know what you're going through now, and I even know what you will face in the future. But here's the good news. You're not alone. You're not alone, and it's not by your own strength that things are going to be made right again. You see, Israel was forced into exile, separated from their homes, their loved ones, and their livelihood, not for weeks or months, but 70 years by Babylon. And God said, I'm sending a message to them. And it seems long overdue, but it's much needed and time just right. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. I am making a way for all people to see my glory. To the Israelites in Isaiah's day, it was a way back to God's promised land where God's glory dwelt with them in the temple. For us this morning, for you and I, Jesus made that way. Jesus said that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We see God's glory in Jesus and through Jesus. God's greatest comfort came when Jesus came to us. Make room for him in your hearts this morning, friends, for God is about to do what he does best. God is going to redeem and restore his people. City Light, it's God with you and God through you that gives you the power to carry on. You remember he gives power to the powerless and strength to the weak, even the young, strong, energetic, Nearly invincible youth will grow tired and weary, but he who waits on the Lord shall renew his strength. Many of you know what it's like waiting, like waiting on a diagnosis from your doctor. Is the news going to be good or bad? Or waiting to hear back from that interviewer whether or not you got the job that you desperately need. Or waiting to hear from that lender if you're approved for that house of your dreams that you feel will be perfect for you and your family. Many of you know what it's like to wait. For college students, it's waiting on, uh, for the day when you can be back in the classroom and not online only, right? The Bible this morning gives us good news, friends. They who wait on the Lord 
shall renew their strength. That's one of God's sure, unshakable promises. That's a perspective changer. So what are you waiting for? For kids, they are waiting for the the Christmas presents to soon be piling up under the Christmas tree. Uh, For college students, again, you're waiting for the chance to be back in line or in the classroom. We're all waiting for the day when COVID isn't a word that we say anymore. That kind of waiting seems slow and challenging. But here's the good news. The Bible says waiting on the Lord is different. Waiting on the Lord is comforting and even strength renewing. So let that be a comfort to you this morning, friends. Will you trust? Will you keep on believing or maybe believe again or for the first time? God comforts our weary souls and only God can do what seems impossible to you. Wait on the Lord. Life is hard enough as it is. Let's turn to God and let's embrace his comfort. Amen? That leads me to my second point this morning. Uh, God redeems. God redeems. Remember me talking about the exile of Israel, taken from their homes, living in a foreign land? The reason is Israel, the people, and the nation lost hope in their God. They turned from God towards other things to satisfy them, to bring comfort, identity, purpose, and meaning to life's difficulties. And because of it, they ended up losing their way and so much more. Uh, God could have left the people of Israel in exile with no hope of redeeming or restoring them back to their homeland. Like Ralph's mom could have said, see, I told you you would shoot your eye out and taking his gun away with no hopes of taking out those pesty bandits or shooting pop cans ever again. But you see, Israel did not get what they deserved. Even though they didn't almost shoot their eye out, they done did, they managed to shoot themselves in the foot too. And if they got what they deserved, they would have had no hope for redemption. But that's not our God. Our God redeems and our God restores. Our God made a way when there was no way. Our God makes all things new. He's a gracious, merciful God who has the power to redeem and restore. Amen? I want to share a personal story with you. Uh, This was just uh, something that happened in my family just a couple weeks ago. My uh, younger sister, Abigail, she moved to Colorado about two weeks ago, and uh, she gave me permission to share this. Uh, Like I said, it's a personal story. Um, But she's been going through a hard time, especially trying to figure out how to live on her own. Work's been hard. Relationships have been hard. But she found a guy, and they seemed to be doing well together. Well, unfortunately, he was a little bit more loyal to her than she was to him, and he found out about it. And so knowing that my sister tends to respond in anger when she's forced in a corner, like many of us, and so he brought a friend with him. And he was right. Things did get out of hand. And the cops were called, and uh, the cops even arrested my little sister. And um, when the cop asked her boyfriend, do you want to press charges? He said, no, he did not. But the cop took it upon himself to arrest her and to book her. So get a call from my mom. My little sister is sitting in jail uh, waiting to see a judge. Well, a day or two passes, and she goes before the judge. And the judge is about to give her the sentence and tells her, Abby, there's nothing here for me to charge you on. There's not, enough, uh, there's not enough information in this report. You're free to go. So she walks away free. But that job that she just got that's been really good for her, um, she still had to call her employer. Uh, with the several no calls and no shows, that could mean she lost her job. And to her amazement, once again, she's met with nothing but mercy and grace. Her boss actually identified with her, said that something similar happened to him and his marriage early on. 
and that there is grace. And he actually picked her up and took her to church with them that following Sunday. And I share that story because my sister was met with mercy by her boyfriend, by the, the justice system, and by her employer. And I had the privilege of pointing out that God's redeeming her story. And I pray she responds. I pray that she sees it. You see, Israel made some decisions that were sins against God. Abigail sinned. We sinned. And as a result, Israel's heart and our heart moved further from God. But here's the good news. God is faithful even when we are not. Maybe this morning you are close with God, you're walking with him, and you're loving him and people like yourself. But I know that that was not the case for my sister until she experienced the redemption of her God. Can I ask you, what's forced you into exile? For Israel, it was their sins, the corruption and the injustices and the forsaking of their God. Maybe you've been stuck in a sin and you thought you were strong enough to handle it on your own, but you're realizing, no, it's quickly handling you and taking over your life. Maybe it's not so much of a forsaking of your God, but maybe it's something that's been done to you outside of your control. Maybe it's a a family member who's abusing the grace and the mercy that you extended to them because you're a believer and they're not. Maybe it's the the terminal illness that you're facing and you're wondering, how are you going to have enough strength to get through this on your own? And how is your family going to get on without you? Friends, whether you're in the valley or on top of the mountain um, this morning, God has made a way for you and me. Isaiah 40, verse 3 and 4. I want to read it to you one more time. It says, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for your God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places plain. God restores and redeems by making a way when there is no way, a highway in the desert. City Light, we see it in the gospel. When we were dead in our sins, hopeless and powerless, unable to save ourselves, God sent Jesus to us. Friends, the good news of Isaiah this morning was that it was a predicted promise, one that Israel hoped in and one that we believe in. You see, the culmination of God's comfort of his rescue plan, the way that he redeems his people, the way that he redeems you and I is found in Jesus. It all points to Jesus. And here's the truth for Israel, and here's the truth for you and me. Their ultimate deliverance and redemption wasn't waiting on life circumstances, but it was waiting on the presence and the person of Jesus Christ. Israel's hope for redemption and freedom was more than just land and prosperity, getting out of exile, It was a relationship with Jesus. They put their hopes in leaders and kings that failed them. They put their hope in possessions and bank accounts that failed them. They made idols out of wood and clay and gold, and their idols failed them. The only thing that could truly satisfy, the only thing that could truly deliver was the person, Jesus Christ. Church, we are no different than Israel. Almost 3,000 years later, we still seek comfort and so badly desire comfort in all the wrong places people, and things, and understandably, in, a, in the midst of suffering, who doesn't want hope? In the midst of uncertainty, who doesn't want and wait for peace? In the midst of sorrow and sadness, who doesn't long and look for hope again? In a world full of anger and hurt and frustration, who doesn't long to see love win the day? Hope, peace, joy, and love all find their yes and amen in the person, Jesus Christ. 
He is the answer that we are looking for. He is the answer that Israel was putting their hope into. Jesus has prepared the way for us. He's the voice calling in the wilderness. Can I ask, have you prepared your heart to receive him? And if so, how has your life paved the way for others to see him as savior and worthy to follow? We give up our rights, we surrender, and we find hope and comfort in Jesus because Jesus is who we truly need and all we are looking for. He's the only one that can redeem our story. Do you need rescued? Do you need rest for your souls? Do you need hope and peace to love others that don't look like, think like, or act like you? Have you prepared your heart? Have you received Jesus as Lord and Savior? Friends, the Bible says it's as easy as believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead and confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you will be saved. All your sins forgiven. And friends, what's more comforting than knowing your sins are forgiven? That God has pardoned you of all your sins. He's placed them on his son, Jesus, the one making a way when there was no way. When we were in a desert, spiritually dead, God made a way by sending his son to us, a highway in the desert. Jesus died the death that we deserve to die, and he lived the life that we should have lived. The gospel, the good news that God saves sinners through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is the greatest rescue plan ever embarked on mankind. He's redeeming, he's restoring, and he's making all things new. We saw it in the Great Commission last week at the end of Matthew, and we see it in Isaiah this morning. So real quick recap, God comforts and God redeems and God says speak. How are we to speak? Tenderly. We see it in the promise when Jesus came to us, when he gave us nothing but grace and mercy and love, and we have the privilege of sharing that with others. Isaiah 42 says speak, speak tenderly to Jerusalem. That word uh, tenderly can also mean speak to the heart. Church, we get to speak tenderly to one another. You see, God wants us to not only speak the truth of the gospel over our own lives, but he wants us to speak it in the lives of others. We're gonna have to go back to 2 Corinthians real quick in the New Testament. But 2 Corinthians, finishing um, the verse three and four, it says in verse four, who comforts us in all of our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. We have the privilege and the power of speaking God's good news over the lives of others. The comfort that we have received by God in our lives is the comfort that we extend to others. God gives us a voice to those who are lost and hopeless, who have no way. Have you ever been around somebody that can find Jesus in almost every area of life? They like to talk about him and they like to highlight where he's at work, even though sometimes it doesn't seem like he is. For me, that person's been Arnie Christensen, Um, Working here at the church, I have a privilege of being around him, doing a bunch of projects around here, uh, from hanging the lights in the hospitality area to helping patch the pavement before we repaved it. Uh, And somehow, Arnie always talks about Jesus, whether it was a past story and a time that he got to witness about Jesus to a coworker, or it's just random people pulling into our parking lot. Uh, One day, we're out there working, and this couple pulled in, and they were asking us about all the land in the back of the church. And they said, is it for sale? And Arnie quickly said, no, it's not, but then told them the whole story that God's writing here at City Light, how God is raising up disciples and how he is saving the hundreds and people are being baptized and giving their lives to Jesus and how we've nearly planted a dozen church. He shared 
God's goodness and God's hope and the, how he's been redeeming our story. And I don't know about you, but I'm always encouraged when I'm around those people who can find Jesus in almost everything. Friends, we cannot underestimate the good news of the gospel and the power it has to comfort the hurting and the brokenhearted and the power and the privilege we have to speak that over others. God could have told Israel, I'm going to send heaven's armies to wipe out Babylon and set you free. I'm going to raise up another world superpower to destroy the Babylonians, and you can come out of exile. But God said, comfort, comfort, speak tenderly to Jerusalem. I'm going to make a way when there's no way, a highway in the desert. Every valley shall be brought up and every mountain low. God is leveling the playing field. God is doing the impossible. God is making a way, and God has spoken. He sent Jesus to us, the promised, predicted king. God is true to his word. So here's some super straightforward application for you this week. Who's somebody that you could share the gospel with? Who's somebody that you could extend the comfort that you've received by God or his people, and you can encourage others and speak tenderly over their lives? Is there somebody struggling with loneliness that you know? Is somebody struggling with depression? Are they losing hope? Can I encourage you? Reach out to them. Maybe a phone call or maybe write them a letter. But don't underestimate the power of being able to speak tenderly and into the lives of others. We're all looking for hope, and it's in Jesus. So City Light, God is the God of comfort. God redeems, and God speaks through you and me. Let's pray. Oh, God, I'm thankful uh, for the message of redemption, God, the hope that we have in Jesus, what comfort it is knowing our sins are forgiven, that uh, we didn't earn it, and then we didn't make it possible. But God, when there was no way, you sent Jesus down to us, that you redeemed us. Israel was ultimately looking for redemption for the person Jesus. And God, here he is. He's as uh, close as us just confessing with our mouth and believing with our heart. So God, for those that have confessed Jesus as Lord, who are your sons and daughters who are saved, God, I pray that your word of comfort would speak over and into their life, that they would have hope and they would see your hand of redemption despite their circumstances in life right now. And for those who haven't said yes to Jesus, Lord God, I pray that you would put a stirring in their heart uh, to want to get on their knees and say, Jesus, you are Lord, that you are who I'm looking for, that nothing here on earth has truly satisfied. I've uh, gone to the depths of everything that I could explore to try to find hope, like Israel went to their idols and it failed them. Jesus, you are the answer, the one we're looking for. You said that you were the voice crying out, and you've prepared a way, God. That's such good news for us this morning, and I pray that we would all be comforted by your grace, your story of redemption, and we would have the privilege of speaking that over others today and this week and months and years to come, God. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.